Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. House of Almerin Radio. Welcome to, my Welcome to my house. In more ways than one. Yeah. This is my house, the House of Almerin Radio, wherever I may be. But it's also like in my house. Yeah. So, like, welcome to my house twice. How about that? Yeah. Welcome to my house. On a Friday. Now, Friday's kind of an optional day for me. Just so, just so everybody knows. Right? I have stuff I have to... I have, like, book writing and stuff that I have to get done. And uh, I'm failing at it. And so... Um, in an effort to clean my life up. I thought, you know, not doing my show on a Friday would be a good thing. And then sometimes I do it anyway. Yeah. Just because I'm just because I'm like that. <laughs> uh, so uh, good Friday morning to you. It's the 22nd day of October. Um, today will tomorrow. The 23rd will mark. Um. 
28 years. 28 years since the building fell in Beirut. So, um, I know I got an email that they're um, broadcasting uh, events tomorrow. And uh, you can go online. And if you do a little search for that, Beirut Memorial, putting Camp Lejeune in there. And I think you'll find what you need. If not, and you want to watch it, uh, shoot me an email and I'll send you the link that I have for it. And so you can, uh, if you choose, if you want to watch that as part of your Saturday, you can, uh, you can absolutely, I'll be more than happy to help you do that. But, uh, yeah, one of the, uh, one, one of the most devastating events that, you know, it's one of those things that, and then they haven't happened to me very often in my time in the Marine Corps, thankfully. Um, but they happen and, uh, and so I was in officer candidate school when that one happened and, um, yeah, it was the first time that somebody that I'd been, uh, on active duty when something like that had happened. And, uh, it was, yeah, pretty, obviously pretty sobering. And you saw the impact that it had on the people that were very senior to you. You know, captains at that time, if you'd been in the Marine Corps for 10, 12 years, you know, you had spent time in Vietnam. Everybody above the rank of, like, gunnery sergeant had been in Viet Vietnam. And you saw the impact that it had on them. And it's pretty substantial. And so as a young officer candidate, you know, and you saw people getting drug out of that building wearing the same uniform that you wore, the same PT shorts you wore, and probably the first time. I had it happen, that same feeling, right, of what the fuck happened uh, in Iraq. On, uh, I remember when a QRF from 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines got ambushed in April of... 2004 I had been with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Kennedy a good friend of mine and uh, I'd been out with him in Ramadi the night before and um, that morning I had to get back to work I was working for General Mattis Colonel Dunford graciously allowed me to go hang out with Lieutenant Colonel Kennedy for a night and but I had to get back to work and so uh I left, and then by the time I walked through the door, maybe an hour later, all hell had broken loose in Ramadi. And but when you heard that that many Marines were dead, you know, you just you had the same feeling of like, what the fuck happened, right? And um, I have to say that I feel part of it, uh, part of that same feeling now, uh, when. You know, you read about the sinking of an Amtrak, nine Marines dying in peacetime. And you think, you know, something had to go catastrophically wrong for something like this to happen, right? And um, and then you find out unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know. 
That was just an awesome opening that everybody missed, right? Just killing me. Just killing me. So, uh, yeah, so good morning to everybody. If you didn't hear that, you can hear it on the replay. But the feeling that I felt after the Beirut thing, I, I, it's my instinctual feeling when something goes terribly wrong, right? What happened? What in God's name happened? And so the, um, and so when I think about that, Um, one of the things I think about is, so that is my, so that is my natural instinct, right? When something goes catastrophically wrong, is that feeling that I had for the first time in my life on October 23rd of 1983. And so when the Amtrak went down, nine Marines are killed. I'm no longer on active duty, right? So, you know, you're an observer to all of this. And you look at it and you say, like, what could have gone that catastrophically wrong? Okay. What could have gone that catastrophically wrong for for that to happen? And then what you find out is that nothing went catastrophically wrong. That what went wrong was a series of everyday events that people are supposed to, that people are supposed to supervise and they just failed to do it. And it's honestly, it's stunning when you, when you read the investigations and you say, that's what happened? That's where we're at now? Like, are you kidding me? And then my heart quite naturally aches for every one of those families, and I've gotten to know one, and that's the Ostrowski family. You know, and so... your heart just absolutely positively aches for those people. And um, and then you see an incident like the Bonhomme Richard happen, and then you see more just failing to, to know and understand and do your everyday job. Not that something went catastrophically wrong, because believe it or not, fires start on ships on a, on a regular basis. That people just don't know how to do their jobs anymore. Is that where we're at now? Evidently we are. And so sobering. And then yesterday I got an email that concerned a story that appeared in the Marine Corps Times not too long ago. And I mentioned when I read it, like, I don't understand how this could happen. 
and a half a dot of 29 palms during a quote-unquote blank fire exercise. A Marine was shot in the chest with a live round and killed. And I believe the story was on Marine Corps Times, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let me see if I can find it. Blank fire, Marine, death. How about training death, 29 palms? So I'm exchanging messages with somebody yesterday who reached out to me and um, it's giving me nothing Zero results. Training death, 29 palms. <laughs> um, wow. And um, so talking to me about this incident and how much it pissed him off. And I said, well, well, wait a minute, what happened? I said, do we still use BFAs? How does somebody get killed when we're using blanks? He said, yeah, we still use BFAs. And he said, somebody had live rounds in their magazine. I said, what? He said, yeah, somebody had, I said, well, wait a minute. So you have a live round in your magazine and you're doing a blank fire exercise, so you're shooting at somebody? Well, I mean, the, the, doesn't the BFA, if, when they fire a live round, I mean, you can tell that it's a live round. It sounds different. It recoils different, right? The BFA obviously gets blown up. The BFA, BFA is a blank firing adapter that goes on the front of your rifle when you shoot blanks because the blank doesn't have enough recoil. So you take this BFA, it fits over the muzzle. You, it has a uh, it has a screw that screws into the rifling of the barrel, and that that thing that clogs the end of the barrel creates the recoil, right? That simulates a live round and functions the rifle. So that's how that's how blanks work in training, right? And so a round, a live round, if you shot it would blow that thing up. And I said, well, yeah, but I mean, it hits somebody. So the round hits the BFA, blows that up, and then five, five, six rounds are not that big, right? They're relatively fragile. So that hits somebody. He said, well, I'm assuming that there was more than one live round in the magazine. And so the first round would have blown up the BFA and then the next rounds would have gone through and, and hit somebody. And just like I am now, it renders you absolutely speechless.
absolutely speechless. So, um, yeah, so it's the same kind of feeling that I get now when I hear those things. And the question that confronts the American military today is one, one of excellence. Is it a jobs program or is it actually committed to excellence in some way, shape, or form? And I think that's, that's a, that's a, that is a legitimate question given the failures that we've seen. Are we more? And, and I will tell you this. I had a, a friend call me uh, who listened to the Bonhomme Richard first discussion that Will Cosentini and I had. And, um, you know, his grandfather had been in the Navy. His dad had been in the Navy. He joined the Marine Corps, blah, 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 blah. Right? And he's, I won't say he's beside himself, but he's just, he cannot believe that he's hearing this shit that he's hearing. So we're talking, and he said, he said, you know what's going on, Mac? I said, what? He said, they're on their cell phone. That's what they're doing. And he said, you know what happens in a Teamster shop when you're on your cell phone? And I said this yesterday. I think with Will and Jeff and Tim. I said, what? He said, you get fired. Just about every safety, you know, mishap around industrial stuff is caused by cell phones. Drivers on their phones, people in, in, in factories on their phones. He said, so, you know, your cell phone stays in your truck, in your car, wherever. It does not come into the facility. If you're caught on that phone, you'd be fired right away. I said, really? Might not be a bad thing for the military. I know depending on where you work, you know, some, you know, organizations are not allowed to bring cell phones, aviation units, because of the, the classified nature of what they do, things like that. Maybe it's time for the entire military. When you come to work during the day, you're expected to be all in. And if you don't have a cell phone, then guess what? We'd have to have formations. We'd have to see you. We'd have to get to know you. Yeah, how about that? That would be different. You would have. You would be expected to be all in during the course of the day. That would be different. Yeah, I'm thinking. So um, now, my uh, with the exception of that little glitch this morning. And that was me messing with stuff yesterday. But with the exception of that, um, I have one problem left to solve. And um, here's an email from Ohio, man. Can you imagine one being stupid enough to load blanks on top of live rounds? Staring at you on the top of your magazine. Two, fire team or squad leaders not leading a check or empty magazines before issuing loading blanks. Well, you know, now the way the way we used to do it was at the end of, you know, the times that we would shoot, right? We had fire team leaders, squad leaders, check them. I, as a platoon commander, didn't do that. I had subordinate, I had non-commissioned officers and a staff sergeant that did all that. 
And all they did was give me the thumbs up. Let me know when we're good. Got it. Now it's called lining out. And I believe the lieutenants are the ones that after people get done shooting. Now, this is how much we micromanage in the Marine Corps now. The lieutenant stands there and stares at every person's magazine. I think it. I think that's wrong. If you're a sergeant in the Marine Corps, you ought to be able to look at your Marines that you're going to lead in combat who have to trust you, who I have to trust, and be capable of supervising that. But not the way we do it. Anyhow, um, yeah, I don't. Ha- I'm. I'll be curious to see that investigation. I, I'm trying to find the article. It probably, it, I know it happened within the last month. Yeah, I want to say it was 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines out in 29 Palms. Marine killed in blank firing exercise. And there was no detail. I'm like, how the hell did that happen? So, yeah, can you imagine you have a magazine of live rounds that somehow or other you saved? And then you throw that into your rifle? Uh, it's just, I again, but yeah, you just get this sick gut feeling. Sick gut feeling like how can we make that mistake? I, I, I had the same feeling. It wasn't as bad though. Like a rifle and two sets of personal protective equipment get stolen off a range at Camp Lejeune. Like, what the fuck? And then you begin to read the investigation. It was cold, didn't want to put up fire watches. They'd been out in the field for a couple weeks. It was their last night. They were going back the next day. And you're just like, are you, like, who does this? Like, are you fucking kidding me? So anyway, now I want to talk about electronics before we start the show. Okay, so I've solved the last problem <laughs> was, uh, well, the reason at the start of this program, if you were listening, that you didn't hear me after I played the opening was um, when I have people on, I have to feed them audio. And then if they come on live, I'm also streaming that to you. So if I feed them themselves, they'll have an echo in their head and it screws you up. I can't talk when I have that echo in my head. Yeah. So there's like a fraction of a delay. It's called latency. Anyway, um, in the audio. So I muted that and that's why you didn't hear me. But here's the final problem that I have. And if you're an audiophile, you could, if you understand how to cure this, let me know. I have an optical uh, port on my sound card on my computer. Okay. I want to use that to route audio, digital audio, into my mixer, if you will. Okay. Now, those things have to sync up and be timed. I can't find the mechanism that controls the timing on my audio card in my computer. I can find it on my mixer, 
and I have those settings done, but I can't find the appropriate setting on the audio card in my computer that allows them to sync up so they can't sync. That's my final, that's the final frontier here. Yeah. Yeah. So with that said, if you know how to do that shit, let me know. All right. All right. With that said, it is Friday. Whitney Houston sings the national anthem. Good morning to you. This is dedicated to the family of Lance Corporal Jonathan Barnett, 24 years of age, who was a rifleman in Kilo Company, 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines, and was killed on October 3rd during a training exercise when he was struck in the chest by a live round. To his family, who will have to live with the utter incompetence of other people, this is dedicated to you. Uh, God bless you. And there are no words.
You're betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think. And you don't say it honestly and bluntly. What keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. For this campus had prepared him well. <clears throat> I'm very confident that, thank you very much. <clears throat> if this was vodka, it'd be a lot better speech. <clears throat> <clears throat> but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. to uh, check the weather here. So we will do that right now. Currently it is partly sunny and 66 in Quantico. It is partly sunny and 78 down the coast at Marine Corps Air Station, Cherry Point. It is Sunny and 60 in 29 Palms. A little bit warmer out there. It is foggy in 57 at Pendleton. At, at Camp Smith in Hawaii, it is dark cloudy and 71. In Okinawa, dark cloudy and 71. In Manila, that would be in the Philippines, it's dark cloudy and 82 in Darwin. Dark cloudy and 84. At the home of All Marine Radio, it is cloudy and 60 degrees with a 4% chance of rain today. Looking for a high of 67 today. 68 on Saturday, 70 on Sunday. And on Monday, 66 with a 97% chance of rain on Tuesday. 68 with the sun and sun with 7% chance of rain. That is a look at your weather. Now, I don't know if you, you know, if you're not a baseball fan, then then last night you missed out on, like, some great theater. Yeah, seriously. The Dodgers and the Braves were playing an an elimination game in Los Angeles, and um, the... uh, the Dodgers have a guy named Trent Taylor, and he uh, he hit three home runs in the game. He never hit three home runs in his life, right? He hits three in the game. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I can. 
if I can tee this up, but because normally there's always stupid stuff that goes with it. Um, and, uh, and I will try to tee it up, but he, yeah, he hits three home runs. Yeah, he hadn't been playing that well. Hold on. Two to one game. And Taylor, way back. Goodbye. Chris Taylor, two run homer. Now, there's a moment when you hear, like, you hear the cracked bat, and you hear this, and then there's the second phase of that. And as you've heard this program before, I love that pandemonium busting out, as my friend Greg Lotus would say. And the Dodgers are in front in the second inning. They were down. So it's elimination game, right? They were down 3-1. to one. The Braves' best pitchers pitch in. And Braves got a chance to, to end the series. The Braves go up in the first inning. Freddie Freeman hits a home run. And uh, the Braves go up in the first inning by a score of 2 nothing, And then that home run gets the Dodgers uh, the lead again. And uh, and so, yeah. All right, so it goes on. It happens fast. Chris Taylor and a two-run walk-off over in the wild-card game. Launched that one 406 feet into the Dodger bullpen. One swing of the bat, and the Dodgers are in front here in the second inning. Dodgers already have seven hits. First and third, one out. And Taylor, little flare. Always on the run, can't get it. Base hit in the score, Pollock. Chris Taylor drives in his third run of the game. So the score is 4-2. to two. Taylor's driven in three of the four runs already. 4-2 Dodgers in the third. 4-2 Dodger lead. Taylor in the air to center field. That ball's on the barrel. That ball is deep, and she is gone. Chris Taylor, a two-run home run. 6-2 to two Dodgers. One of the coolest parts about this, if you love sports, is this. It's the reaction of teammates. And when you see them lose it, they get really fired up for something. You know something very, very cool happened. And it did. And game five is Chris Taylor's game. You just got to make a better pitch, O2. You can't make that mistake in these kinds of games. Chris Taylor covered that ball to center field after a pivotal, pivotal walk. I love that sound. By Pujols. 2-2. Uh-oh. Oh. That's deep left center. Chris Taylor. Not one, not two, but three. Chris Taylor. <laughs> he never hit three home runs in a game in his life. Right? In his life. And now he hits three. Unbelievable. The night of his life. Seven to two Dodgers. Home run number three for Taylor. Six RBIs. Chris Taylor. A three homer game in game five of the NLCS. Another two strike homer. Breaking ball from Lee. Change up, up in the zone, and Taylor didn't miss that. Third one of the night. That was awesome. So if you missed it, great theater last night. Um, we'll check some news headlines today. Um, 
The top headline in Stars and Stripes is U.S. Army is testing Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system in Guam. Which is good, right? But it doesn't protect you against uh, hypersonic missiles, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So that is in the news, right? Yesterday, um, two stories about a, uh, a U.S. Army hypersonic Missile tests, that, one that failed, and I think two others that were successful. So, as Grant Newsham said about testing, he said, you know, when you test, just know this, that whether the t- test is um, successful or it fails, you're a step closer to proving the technology that you're looking to prove. And he was talking about, um, he was talking about, North Korea at the time. Um, top headline in the Wall Street Journal is Evergrande makes overdue payment according to Chinese state media. So Evergrande is this gigantic international property giant that is Chinese. And it is it is circling the drain, Right. And in danger of being in default of a series of different bonds and other things. So they made a payment and uh, an overdue payment. So uh, interesting. You know what? Uh, much in the news is, is our supply chain woes, right? My question is this. How does it get to this point? How do the appropriate people not know that we don't have enough truck drivers, that we don't have enough whatever it is, and the appropriate people don't do something about it? Huh? What is that? Until, I've said this before, but if you drove down to the coast right now from my house, which would take you a grand total of about six minutes to go about two and a half miles, um, so when you go down a street called Superior in Newport Beach and you're heading and the coast highway is below you in front of you, so you're driving off the bluff that is Costa Mesa, Newport, and you're driving down to the coast highway and then on to the beach itself, you would think that there's the biggest amphibious invasion of Southern California you have ever seen in your life off the coast it is it, it, it must be what the people of normandy woke up to that morning and looked and went oh my god that's what it looks like yeah there's ships on the there's there's ships everywhere how can like how does it get to that point i guess is my question people when they begin to stack up and if we don't solve this you know what's going to happen right because this is not going to slow down what is something like 60 percent of the goods that come in, in the united states come through the port of long beach which is the port of Los Angeles. And so if we're deficient in truck drivers, what's the solution to that? Pay them more? I'm thinking. Yeah, but the Teamsters got to be involved. Oh, yeah, they've got to get their money. Forgot. I don't, I, so again, I haven't looked into it. Um, but there's an article in the Wall Street Journal that says, what America's supply chain backlog looks like up close. 
I can tell you what it looks like off the coast of California, but I just don't understand how the problem gets to this level. The other problem that if it wasn't so financially painful for every fucking buddy, I mean, is is head scratching is is gas is now what? Four dollars a gallon at least in most places around the United States. And everybody will feel that ass pain. Everybody. And the president, the president yesterday says, I've got no short-term solution. Well, what's the long-term solution? Is we're all going to buy electrical cars? Is that, the, is that your long-term solution? I've got to buy a new car? So it's like, like, it's crazy. But you know what? We have to go through this shit so that people learn. Because people believe the bullshit that people say in political campaigns. Oh, yeah, you know, I want to be green and we're going to shut off petroleum. We're going to shut off this. We're Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Well, are you willing to pay $6 a gallon for gasoline? What? What are you talking about? You heard me. Uh, like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> are you out of your mind? Uh, no, because that's where it's going. Well, why didn't somebody tell me that? Oh, because they don't tend to speak the truth and those kind of things. So, yeah, so it goes. Um, top story in the New York Times. There's two headlines I'll give you. One, Pfizer says its vaccine is highly protective in 5 to 11-year-olds. Hmm. Well, I didn't think 5 to 11-year-olds were impacted by COVID. I would have to see more data. Uh, next headline, how the supply chain broke and why it won't be fixed anytime soon. Right. So, yeah, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, both writing about it today. Now, before we go into any DOD news, I want to just go through the story because I found it. It was written on October 12th. So what, what are we, ten, so 10 days ago, right? And um, headline, Marine killed in California drive fire training exercise. A Marine from 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines was killed during service level training exercise, 122 in California, when he was struck in the chest by a bullet on October 3rd, according to a statement from the 2nd Marine Division. The incident took place aboard Marine Corps Air Ground Combat Center in 29 Palms. Lance Corporal Jonathan Barnett wasn't wearing chest protective equipment when he was hit, his family told the local news station. He was a rifleman in Kilo Company. In an interview with WRCB-TV, an NBC affiliate based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Barnett's mother said the family is still seeking answers on the exact circumstances of her son's death. There's an hour and 13 minutes that are unexplained, the Marine's mother, Robin Hayes, told the TV station. The cause of the incident is currently under investigation. His wife, Savannah Barnett, is pregnant with her second child. Quote, it kills me every day. Every day it kills me. Close quote. That's a quote from his wife. 
So, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah. Just stupid. Just stupid. Um, headlines in United States Naval Institute news. Navy board set to improve fire safety after report finds sailors unprepared to fight blazes in port. Yeah, you know, I this is <laughs> they already did this though. They did this nine years ago when the USS Connecticut burned in port and there's a manual. So we're going to write another one now that you lost a $2 billion asset. So what was the total cost of the USS Connecticut? So we should add that to the Bon Armour shard, right? Total cost, USS Connecticut. Let's see. Wikipedia. Does it say? Gives a lot of data about it, but it doesn't give its cost. Hmm. Anyway, I don't know. So you add that to the list. So that's two billion plus the Connecticut. I don't know if the two billion that was the cost of the Bon Armour Shard included the two hundred and fifty million that was the maintenance upgrade that it was undergoing at the time. I mean, how many times do you have to learn the same lesson at some point when to conclude that it isn't, you know, our ability to write manuals and do this, it's the execution of it. And we are no longer about operational excellence, so you can write all the fucking manuals you want, but it doesn't make a fucking difference. Now we're going to write this manual for a second time? Why didn't you just take it and revise it, slap a cover on it, put a new endorsement on it, and call it good? Because nobody reading it, nobody paying a fucking attention to it. And the rot is so bad, right? The seal of the ship did not even command the, the, the firefighting effort on his ship. It took another naval officer to show up the guy who has no operational control of this ship import expeditionary strike group which is the group that gets um constituted once they go to sea that guy shows up that that, that man or woman shows up and takes control that's how bad the problem is so um yeah on top of that navy is approaching <laughs> this is a story from yesterday a weak rating in as handed out by the Heritage Foundation. Congratulations. Yeah, the Navy. I mean, but again, there's only one way to, to turn it around. That's you have to perform your way out of it, right? You have to perform your way out of it. And if you don't, or if you won't, then guess what? 
there's going to be no change in the narrative. Top story in Marine Corps Times. Um, Marine Corps Times soliciting accounts of uh, what happened in Beirut in 1983. Next headline. The Marine Corps wants to know what will convince you to re-enlist. So that's uh, what's going on in Marine Corps Times today. The um, top five stories in Early Bird. And then uh, and then we'll get out of here. Is, um, yeah, you're going to get to hear the garbage man go by. Um, number one, U.S. holds three tests to advance hypersonic weapons program, according to the Pentagon. Um. The U.S. Navy and Army tested hypersonic weapons component prototypes on Wednesday. That's a garbage truck. That will inform development of new weapons, the Pentagon said, calling the three tests successful. The test occurred the same day the U.S. President Joe Biden said he was concerned about Chinese hypersonic weapons. Yeah, I you know, I think what you read was one of the tests was successful, or two were successful, one was not. So, anyhow. Uh, next headline, Green Berets work to free Afghans comes with a personal cost. Story in Military Times, written by Howard Altman. It didn't take long for Carrie Elk to realize something was different with the Green Berets at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. A psychotherapist who specializes in war-related psychological trauma, Elk was at Bragg September 12th to deliver PTSD resilience training to Green Berets preparing to transition out of the military. She was invited by an NCO she worked for, worked with for years to discuss caring for Special Forces soldiers who struggled to cope with the aftermath of exposure to brutal combat and other miseries of protected conflict. As I walked in, he felt different, Elk said, of the Greenberry NCO, who were both authorized to talk about the situation. The Greenberry NCO spoke on a condition of anonymity to discuss the sensitive nature of the Afghanistan rescue efforts. His presence was very different than I've known. Something was off. Later, Elk noticed another sight that made her wonder. Quote, we walked by the offices to the conference room, and I saw a couple of cots set up said Elk, founder and CEO of the Elk Institute for Psychological Health and Performance. Quote, I thought that was awfully strange. I was wondering if that is how they do things in this unit or is something going on. Having worked with special operations, operations units around the country for years, Elk knew better than to ask questions. But she overheard snippets of desperate conversations, desperate conversation observed at high level of tension and faces of those in the rooms who saw things that seemed out of place. There were cots, a whiteboard with maps and photographs of people, Afghans on cell phone having furious conversations in Dari with people back home. A Green Beret was at the next computer. Her hands were on, his hands were on his forehead as he had brushed a hushed conversation with a man next to him. What if I miss one, she recalled him saying. What if I miss the name, dude? What if I miss a name? So anyway, 
very long article about trying to do something good for Green Berets. So that is in the news in military times. Um, next headline, Biden says he's considering deploying the National Guard to ease the supply chain crisis. Um, the White House later walked this story back, right? So he was doing some event yesterday. <laughs> what is the National Guard going to do, drive trucks? Like, what in the hell, man? Uh, bigger pay raise is on lawmakers' agenda next year. So DOD is expected to get 2.7% boost. But this is kind of normal fare, right, this time of year. But we want to give them more, right? All right. Um, some overseas operational headlines. Judge rules Afghan militant has been held in Guantanamo Bay illegally in what lawmakers say is the first such ruling in 10 years. Got it. Next, attack on U.S. troops in Syria underscores that America is still very much at war. Next, a memorial service to honor Colin Powell will be set for November 5th. Um, I'm kind of curious about this. Written by Robert Burns of the Associated Press. Uh, the service memorial service will be held at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. There will be very limited seating, and it will be by invitation only. I'm just scrolling to see they there's no mention to where he will be buried. So I one would assume Arlington, but that may be a bad assumption, right? Maybe he'll be buried next to his parents. The um There's a there's a story there's a story um, that you probably seen the video or, or maybe seen a headline of a marine in Yuma who disarms somebody who walks in and pulls a gun uh, and it's evidently going to hold up the convenience store in Yuma headline in Stars and Stripes Marine Corps taught me not to fuck around customer disarms robber during a stick up at a convenience store. A man who said he was a Marine Corps veteran is being heralded in Yuma, Arizona for his quick reaction in disarming a would-be robber Wednesday at a gas station convenience store. James Kilser's heroics were captured in eight seconds of surveillance footage that show him standing with his back to the store's front as two masked men, one with a handgun and another with a bag, enter the store. The armed robber immediately pointed the gun directly at Kilser, who turned around to see the two men. The armed robber then turned the gun towards the cashier. That's when Kilser quickly acted, grabbing the handgun. He then wrestled the robber to the ground and out of the camera's view. The customer was able to detain the suspect. He disarmed until law enforcement arrived, the sheriff's, officers, the sheriff's office said in a statement like, late Wednesday. No injuries were reported for, to any of the victims. The unarmed robber and a third person not seen in the video escaped before police arrived. When deputies later asked Kilser 
how he was able to control the situation, he said, the Marine Corps taught me not to fuck around, according to the police. The incident happened at about 4.30 a.m. at a Chevron gas station in Yuma. An investigation was underway. The armed robbery is a minor who was booked into the Yuma County Juvenile Justice Center on charges of armed robbery, aggravated assault. The Marine Corps is unable to verify whether Kilzer is actually a former Marine or not. So, there you have it. So, on that note... We will get out of here. Um, thanks for listening today. And if you're an audiophile and you have any idea how to get optical digital audio settings in Windows or in your sound card, if you have any idea how to sync that all up with a mixer, Shoot me an email. I need to talk to you. The last thing I'll tell you is don't be afraid. Somebody needs your help. Don't be afraid to do that. All right? Yep. And when you get stuck, all the contact information on the website comes to me. So scream and I will help you. All right? Have a great weekend. Hopefully, we're going to have two Game 7s. Yeah. One would be Sunday, and one would be Monday if they happen. In Atlanta, between the Braves and the Dodgers, that would be Monday. No. It would be Saturday and Sunday would be Game 7. Yeah. So, hopefully, we'll get to see that. I, yeah, I'm up for it. What the hell? So, um, yeah, have a great weekend. And I need to get Grant Nushman to talk about Chinese hypersonic technology, so you'll hear him. Hopefully, Chris Woodbridge will join us next week, too. And we'll see what happens. So, I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. Have a great weekend. I'm out.